Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom, I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact, and today I would like to talk about the concept of believing. You know, we we banter that word around a lot, just believe, and you know, I believe, and you need to believe, that kind of thing, but we've, we, we don't really stop to, to go into the depth of it, and I want to take you into the depth of believing today, because our understanding is that if you if you believe you belong to God, you're going to have eternal life. But but there's so much more to it than that. We have to ask, what is believing? Is it a mind thing? Is it a heart thing? What what just is it? What is it? What does it mean to believe? And believe in what? To say, you know, just to believe in in Yeshua the Messiah, is that all there is to it? It, I mean, what what is the depth of this meaning of believing? I'm going to start by taking you into Romans ten nine and ten, and I'm going to concentrate on believing in the resurrection out from the dead. Now that doesn't negate believing in Yeshua. It, it doesn't negate it at all. I'm, I want to take you deeper. And I'm going to do it by starting in Romans 10, 9, and 10. And there we read, if, all right, and that's a conditional clause, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and implied if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now the second part is, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's resurrection. So is believing in the resurrection a requirement for eternal life? Well, we're going to go a little deeper in here. And before I go any farther, I'm going to stop and talk to you about my perception of the two aspects of being saved. Christians focus on the first aspect. Being saved is to be rescued or delivered from something to something. That's the biblical concept of being saved. You're, you're plucked out of something terrible and you're, you're put into something wonderful. So you're rescued or delivered from something to something. The, the way I perceive the first aspect of salvation is that you are rescued from death to the promise of life, and that life allows you to be one with God. It allows you to be in, in the presence of God because you are alive without sin. You're alive in righteousness. And that is what I call the first aspect of salvation. And I don't think we can deny the verse in, in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 2.8. By grace 
you have been saved through faith. So, faith is the same Greek word that has been translated believe. The Greek word is pistis, and it has been translated in three English words, faith, believe, and trust. It's all the same Greek word. So we believe, we have faith, we trust. It's all one word. So let's read it again. By grace, you have been saved through faith, through believing, through your trust in God, through faith, through believing. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the gift of God is identified with the grace. So God's grace is a gift which gives us life because we have faith, we believe. But we're still asking the question, you know, believe in what? Now, so let's go back here to Romans 10, 9, and 10. Because in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you can... Let's take the second one. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So we're believing in our heart, not in our mind. We're believing in our heart. And what we're believing is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I think there's more to it than that. I think we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, whom God has sent. But we are also instructed to believe that God raised him from the dead, which is resurrection. God resurrected Jesus out from the dead. And that is an important aspect of our faith that allows us to be saved, the first aspect of salvation, rescued from death to the promise of eternal life with God. But there's a second part of that verse. And I I suggest in, in the artistic Hebrew nature of the language, the the important thing is you will be saved. Closest to you will be saved is you believe in your heart that God raised um, Yeshua from the dead. And as you move farther out, you get, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Now, if there are two aspects of salvation, they're both captured and you will be saved. And the first aspect is rescued from death unto the promise of eternal life with God someday. And and that goes with believing in your heart that God raised Yeshua from the dead, believing in the resurrection. The second aspect of salvation is, okay, you've believed in Yeshua, you belong to God, you have the promise of future eternal life with God, and now you can claim the second aspect of salvation if you choose. You can only do it if you are a child of God, if you belong to God. If God has given you the the gift of of eternal life by your faith in, in Jesus. So you could only go on to the second aspect if you belong to God. The second aspect of salvation is confessing with your mouth Jesus as Lord. And that means you make him the boss. And you submit, you obey, you work for your Lord Yeshua. And that is the second aspect of salvation, which is your your walk now. Not all Christians take that second step to make Yeshua Lord in their lives. But they're all Christians. They all believe in Yeshua. They all believe in the resurrection out from the dead. They all belong to God. They're all rescued or delivered from death unto the promise of eternal life. But 
only a small number of those Christians are going to confess Yeshua as Lord and make him Lord in their lives, and that is the second aspect of salvation. Now, the Jews believed in the resurrection. This was nothing new. The Christians didn't bring that as some as a new concept. We read in, in Matthew, for example, um, let's see, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus and questioned him. The Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. But <clears throat> the Sadducees came from the privileged upper classes they were well educated in in scribal schools they held high religious offices the pharisees conducted pretty much their own schools for training and much of that was not in in like the scribal schools of of the sadducees um much of it was done out in the open fields it was done with the common people. The common people tended to align themselves with the Pharisees. So the Pharisees had a very large following. Uh, you know, we tend not to follow the, the, the ones who have a lot of money and they're privileged and they wear the fancy clothes. We tend to align ourselves with the, the underdog. And in a way, the Pharisees were underdogs. They, you know, they, um, they took in any young person who wanted to learn, regardless of their status, their class, their their ability to pay, and they took in everyone, and, and they were very popular with the common people. And the, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, which is why, you know, Jews today do not believe in cremation, because cremation destroys even the bones. Jews are buried in their 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 bodies and their bodies it may turn to dust but what is left is the bones and then of course we hear in Ezekiel that, that famous song you know them bones them bones them dry bones and that's Ezekiel talking about the future time when when the dead bones will rise and will will become covered flesh again and 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 these people will be resurrected. So the common people generally follow the Pharisees and, and believed in the resurrection. Resurrection was not a new concept with with the Christians. By the way, that's why it's desirable to be buried on the Mount of Olives, because at the time of the resurrection, those people will be right there in Jerusalem at the time of the resurrection. Of course, there's no space left there now, so. People want to be buried in in Jerusalem, um, if if at all possible, because at the time of the resurrection they will be there. So Jews believed, or most of the Jews believed in resurrection at the time of Yeshua. It was not a new concept with with Christians. Now, what I want to show you now is that a new Christianity resurrection from the dead was a central part of the gospel. We hear Peter on the day of Pentecost and we read, and, and actually it's not the day of Pentecost, it's after that when Peter and John were at the temple and, um, and they were speaking in the temple, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. 
That was their witness. This Yeshua has been resurrected from the dead. The Jews were waiting for future resurrection of, of the Jewish people, of those who were righteous. But this Yeshua has been resurrected already. And this was something dramatic, and this was part of the gospel that Peter and John were preaching. We get Paul. He's preaching the same message. In his journeys through what is today Turkey and Greece, he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. That's what we read. He was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He was not saying believe. Well, he was saying believe, but he was also preaching Jesus and the resurrection. In the book of First Peter, we read, We are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All right, I want to stop here because in this verse, we see the two aspects of salvation. We get the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What makes that so important is that when you believe in the resurrection of Yeshua, you believe that you will be resurrected also. That's the importance of it. It's not just a, a promise, you know, saying, oh, this is going to happen. It's, it's not just a promise. It has been proven by God. Yeshua was a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. He was dead. He was in the ground three days and three nights. In the ancient world, that's what you had to, you know, it was three days and three nights to believe that you were really dead. Because within those three-day period, it was possible that you might not really be dead and you might rise. But after three days and three nights, the body is beginning to decay. And at that point, you are declared dead. There's a very interesting custom in New England, which is where I come from. It's no longer practiced, but it was, it was practiced in, you know, all the way through the 1800s. And the, um, they would have a, a string in, in the coffin, and that string would go up above the ground and be attached to a bell. And and the people would, would be there 24-7 for three days. Because if the bell rang, then the person was not really dead and was is pleading to for you to, to dig him up because he wasn't really dead. But after three days and three nights, you could leave because at that point, they knew that he was really dead. So Jesus was lived as a man, he died as a man, he was in the grave for three days and three nights. He was really, really, really dead. And yet God resurrected him out from the dead, which is guaranteed proof that you and I will be resurrected out from the dead also at some time in the future. So that's the first aspect of salvation. But in this verse, in First Peter, we hear the second aspect of salvation. And I want to spend the rest of the time on this second aspect of salvation, which is being rescued or delivered from the consequences of walking in the ways of the world in your life now. Those consequences are pain and suffering. When you walk in the ways of God, you are delivered from that pain of suffering. And you have in you a, a sense of wonder and excitement and, and joy that's inside you and it comes out and it, and it just affects your entire life. That's the second aspect of salvation. So let's read this verse from First Peter again. We are born again to a living hope. 
The word hope in Greek does not mean maybe. It's the absolute certainty that something is going to happen. We are we are born again. We, we have a new life now. And that hope is alive now. We know that we are going to be resurrected out from the dead at some time in the future. And that gives us a new life now. And how did it came, come about? It came about through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So not only is his resurrection a promise of future, that, that we will also be resurrected from the dead someday, which is the first aspect of life, but it also gives us the second aspect of living because we are, resur- we are born again. We are born to a new life. We are resurrected out from the dead in our lives today if we choose to walk in it. I mean, we have it. But whether we walk in it or not, you know, we, we don't know. Now, we, but let's look at how we are resurrected to a new life now. In Galatians 6.15, we hear Paul. And Paul says, let's see, I think I found it here. Neither is circumcision anything, that's being a Jew, nor uncircumcision, that's being a Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter. What matters is a new creation. So there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but a new creation. And that new creation is connected with that second aspect of of salvation, that we are, are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We, we have the ability to, that, to, to live now as a new creation. And then we see in Ephesians um, uh, 4.24, it says, Put on the new self. Well, the new self has been created in us already by God through our faith in Yeshua. When we put it on, it's like putting on clothing. We already have it, but we have to put it on to walk in it. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God. That new creation is in the likeness of God. You know, way back in Genesis, in the creation account, God created man in his own image. The image is, is righteous, it's perfect, it's holy. And, and, and we now have that image of God in us through our faith in Christ. But we have to put it on, like clothing. And this... Um, uh, this new self, which in the likeness of God has been has been created, notice it's in the past tense, has been created in righteousness and holiness. So when you first believe in Yeshua, God created something new in you. That something new was in the image of God. You just have to put it on and walk in it. So let me take you now to to Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. And again, it's putting on the new self. So it starts out, put on the new self, which is being renewed. Renewed is being born again, made new again, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Again, we have this image of God. So... The, the image of God has been created in us. It's, it's called the new birth. It has been created in us. But we have to put it on, like clothing. We have to put it on. And, um, and, and now I'm going to take you to Ephesians again, because I think this verse really tells you more than anything. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
Now, in the last session, I told you there were two Greek words for power. One is dunamis, and you can connect that with dynamite because it it's power that's potential. You have to light the fuse to make it explode. So dynamite is like sitting there, and we have this dunamis, we have this power in us, but it's not doing anything. It's our ability to 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 put on the new self and to walk in the power, but we have to do something, and the doing something, of course, is walking in faith in Christ. So this power, um, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, which he brought about in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. When he raised Christ from the dead, that is the new life. It is the new life in two aspects. It is the new life at some time in the future when we will be righteous and be able to come into God's presence. It is also the new life now when we put on the new life and we take that power that's in us and activate it. And we activate it through our faith in Christ. And that allows us to walk in the newness of life now. We don't have to wait until the future. In fact, we're not supposed to wait until the future. Because the true witness is not the words we speak. The true witness is our walk. It's our actions. It's what people can see. They can see it. They can touch it. Uh, Yes, we speak words, but those just go into the head And you have to get down into the heart. You have to take those words to get it into the heart. And the best way to do that is to demonstrate it. Demonstrate it. Demonstrate it by putting on the new self. Demonstrate it by by walking in the newness of life. That's that's the true witness. So when we go back to Romans 10, 9, and 10, we see the two aspects of salvation. And the second is mentioned first, and the first aspect of salvation is mentioned uh, second. And then we come to you will be saved. And you will be saved means you will be saved in two ways. I mean, it's, it, it all comes from the resurrection of Christ, which allowed the newness of life. But it's newness of life both for the future and for now. So let's read about the now. All right. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, that's the now. The now. When you put on the new self, you can't do it apart from Christ. It's impossible. You can't do it by yourself in your own right. You have to do it by making Yeshua Lord. That's the only way you can do it. You can't be separated from, from your Lord Yeshua. You can't do it. That's the second aspect of salvation. That I call it the second aspect. That's the now. That's the now. And not all Christians have it. But they should see you walking in it. And then maybe they'll think, huh, what does he or what does she have that, that I don't have? I want that too. And then then comes, um, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So first you have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the first thing you have to do. And that brings newness of life. It brought newness of life to Jesus, to Yeshua, because he's seated at the, the right hand of the Father. He's, he's no longer dead. He's, he's raised to newness of life. But it brings new, newness to life, newness in life to us also in two ways. The first and probably the most important way, because it, it's for all Christians, on all those who belong to God, 
is that you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You believe in your heart. That's the believing. You believe in your heart, in your heart, not your mind, in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead because he was raised to newness of life. And then some of the Christians, and I hope it's you who are listening, confess Jesus as Lord in your life. And when you do, you submit to him in humble obedience. And you now put on the new self. You walk in the newness of life. You walk in the image of God that God has already created in you. You make it visible to others, and that is the true witness. So we started out talking about what is believing, and I said, let's just focus in on believing in the resurrection. And that led us into some pretty exciting verses about the two aspects of salvation. And the most important, I think, is walking in the newness of life. And with that... I wish you shalom, and you may have a wonderful life walking in the newness of life.